This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Speaking to his flock in the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, we join Archbishop Alexander Sample as he reflects upon our faith, culture, and life in the church on The Voice of the Shepherd. Joining Archbishop Sample is your host, Dina Marie Hale. And now, The Voice of the Shepherd. Greetings and welcome to The Voice of the Shepherd with His Excellency Archbishop Alexander Sample. I'm Dina Marie, and during this Lenten journey and preparing for the Easter season, I want to share a little bit about that breathing life into the priesthood and how does the bishop breathe that life, bring about the Holy Spirit as we walk with these men who are preparing to really be ordained priests, that call to the priesthood. And so I wanted to spend some time as we look at things like Chrism Mass, the institution of the priesthood at Holy Thursday. These are beautiful moments that we come to really recall what God's given us, the gift of the priesthood and that holy order. So would you please help us start with prayer? Certainly. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, your Son, Jesus Christ, is our eternal high priest who came to save us from sin by offering himself in sacrifice on the cross We ask you to be with us in this broadcast so that as we reflect on those whom you call to share in the priesthood of your son Jesus in a ministerial ordained way, you may inspire in the hearts of our people a great love and appreciation for the gift of the priesthood and an encouragement to encourage others to consider this holy vocation. So we place this time in your hands, Father, as always, asking you to lead us and guide us. All this we ask through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. O Mary, conceive without sin. Pray for us who have recourse to Thee. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I wanted to hear a little bit every year, and we've talked a little bit about this, but every year we learn new things. We have new men that are listening to the call, responding to the call to the priesthood, and your heart is such an open heart to walk with these men who are responding and then walking with them on their journey to prepare, to really discern, is this truly a call? One, from God, and two, from the church. (laughs) Is this man really following the call of God? And you spend time, we have four different seminaries that we Mm -hmm. send our men to here in the Archdiocese of Portland. And I just want to hear from you a little bit to start off is just that desire for you every year to be with them, to spend some time with them in their in their seminary environments, and, and that that passion that you have to connect and walk with them. Yeah, I, I really uh, this is this is one of the you know uh, people often ask me what do you like most about being an archbishop? You know, one of the things that gives me such great joy in life, quite honestly, is uh, that work uh, closely with men who are discerning the priestly vocation. Uh, either before they enter into the seminary or certainly after they enter the seminary, to walk with them, to accompany them a- along this journey. And I, and I have to say that I take a very deep and, and personal 
interest in these men uh, and try to get to know them as best I can. Yes, we have a vocation director, uh, Father Peter Julia, and we've had him you know, with us on, on, on the radio. Uh, but I, I think as Archbishop, I have a very special responsibility to the Church, to the people of God, to make sure that the men that I ordained uh, ordained to the priesthood for the Archdiocese of Portland are, are men who are truly ready and worthy of the vocation. You know, that's one of the questions in the ordination ceremony. At every ordination, the, the vocation director presents the candidates to the bishop for ordination. And then the bishop turns and says directly to the vocation director, do you know them to be worthy? And we have to answer that question. I mean, in a sense, none of us are worthy. I am not worthy to be a priest, let alone the Archbishop of Portland. But I mean, are they, are they, do they have the right stuff mm-hmm. uh, in order to fulfill this vocation to be priests of Jesus Christ in service of Christ, but in service of his people? So I, I think it's, quite honestly, my responsibility to know the men that I am ordaining so that on the day of their ordination, when I impose hands on their head and, and pray the prayer of ordination over them, uh, making them deacons and priests of Jesus Christ, that I know this man, and I have walked with this man, and I know what kind of man this is, and I know what kind of priest uh, I hope he will be. So yes, I, I make an effort every year to spend a, a, a lot of time with our seminarians. I have various opportunities to be with them. Quite honestly, with the men we have here at Mount Angel Seminary, right here within the Archdiocese of Portland, I obviously get to interact with them much more uh, often. And that's quite honestly where most of our men uh, are studying, are right here in, in Oregon. But for various reasons, and every every man is unique, and every man's circumstances are unique, and his formational journey is unique, we have three other places that we use for formation in smaller numbers. A Bishop White Seminary in, in Spokane, uh, which is associated where they do their academic work at, at the Gonzaga University. We have uh, St. Patrick's Seminary in Menlo Park, where we have some men down there. And then we have uh, some men studying in Rome as well at the North American College. In fact, I just got back recently from a visit to the seminary in Rome and to spend some time uh, with those men. As we're taping this broadcast, I'm, I'm leaving later this week uh, to head up to Spokane to visit our, our men at Bishop White Seminary, who are college seminarians. They're, they're still in college. The men in Rome are, are already in theology and, and closer to preparations for the priesthood. Uh, and then in March, I'll be down visiting our men at St. Patrick's in Menlo Park, who are also in theology in those final years of preparation. Uh, and then I will make that time also to spend one-on-one with uh, the majority of men who, who we have studying right here at, at Mount Angel Seminary. And what I do is I visit the seminaries, I visit those environments, I meet with the rectors and the formators uh, in the seminaries, but also I take the time to meet every year one-on-one for an hour with each of our seminarians, just checking in with them, seeing how they're doing, how's their formation going, how's their spiritual life, what are their struggles, where are they at in their discernment, how sure are they? I mean, just to really, to be a spiritual father to them, quite honestly. These are the men who are going to be part of the presbyterate here, we pray, and they're going to have to work very, very closely with me uh, in my mission and, and work here as the Archbishop. So again, I want I want to know these men myself so that I know what their mind and heart is all about. But I want them to know my mind and heart as well. I want them to get to know me 
and you know where I'm trying to lead here so that they can be true members of, of my team. That band of brothers is, is an image that, uh, that I like to use sometimes. Because you pointed out in your, in your introductory remarks, uh, Dina Marie, that there's a mutual discernment that goes on here. And I think this is very important for people to realize that it isn't just a, a man who decides that he wants to be a priest and therefore he goes to school, graduates, gets a certificate, and now somehow he has the right to be ordained a priest. No, no. It's a mutual discernment. The man is discerning his vocation. He is discerning whether this is the life that God is indeed calling him to. But the church is also discerning as well. We are discerning whether or not this man has what it takes to be a priest in service of the people here in Western Oregon. It's kind of like, you know, the, 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 the priest is ordained and, and, and ministers in the person of Christ, and part of Christ's identity is the bridegroom, and the bride is the church. So the bride has to discern as well whether the bridegroom uh, is, is truly worthy of, of service uh, as a priest uh, for us here in, in, in the archdiocese. That's right. That's right. You talk about that relationship, the formators, of course, the vocation director, you as the spiritual father. What's the importance of the camaraderie or the fraternity between the men? You know, as they come together as a class at the seminary, how should they be building a fraternity? Because you mentioned they're going to be part of the prosperity. Mm-hmm. If indeed they are called to be priests, they're going to be priests serving in this archdiocese and will come together as one body of priests, how do they start to form those relationships in the seminary? Well, this is something I emphasize to them very, very strongly, is they have to build the bonds of brotherhood among themselves now, while they're still in formation, while they are still in the seminary, to be real brothers to each other. Now, it's true, we're all human beings, and you know we have we'll have special friendships with with certain uh, people over others. You know, some people we just click better with. And you know, I know some of these men who are in formation right now and pray God will one day be ordained priests, will have lifelong close priests friends among those that they have studied with in the seminary. that's that just naturally happens. But even for those who maybe you don't click with as well on a human level and you wouldn't consider one of your closest friends, they're still your brother. Mm-hmm. And they're still part of this, this, this brotherhood of the presbyterate, this family, which is the, the, the group of priests ministering here in the Archdiocese of Portland. So you have to have a relationship with them. You have to be brothers to one another. We're not in this alone. And, and this, is, this is something that is so hard sometimes to break down in our very individualistic mm-hmm. culture that we live in today. Uh, you know, everybody, you know, is, is, it feels like they're on their own sometimes. Or you get the Lone Ranger mentality. You know, Archbishop just put me out here in a parish somewhere and, and let me do my thing and just kind of leave me alone. No, no, no. We are in this together. Uh, we're a brotherhood. We're supposed to be working together. We're supposed to be all on the same page. We're supposed to have a clear sense of mission and where we're going under the leadership of the archbishop. We're one band of brothers working toward a goal, and we can't be isolated. We can't be individuals. We can't be uh, lone rangers. Uh, we need to support one another. We need to encourage one another. Sometimes we need to challenge one another uh, to be the best that we can be. 
you know, and I use these different images. Uh, uh, the guys, uh, <laughs> the seminarians, and if you talk to the young priest too, they'll they'll probably roll their eyes when when I start talking about the images that I use. But they're they're useful images. You know, the band of brothers. You know uh, that that story actually, which was a mini series that that talks about you know the. Uh, the airborne division after after the D-Day landings, you know, and and that that whole idea of of being together on the battlefield under 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 leadership, um, with all of their differences, with all of their teasing back and forth, with all of the difficulties they might even have sometimes with each other, we're united in a common mission, and we're ready to to get out of the bunker and and, and onto the battlefield to do what we need to do. But we got to do that together. We have to be coordinated with each other. We have to care about each other. We have to be concerned about each other, take care of each other. I want that guy next to me to be safe and and, and to be effective as well. I use the image of uh, the movie just uh, the movie's just come out about uh, the boys in the boat, you know, about the 1936 uh, gold medal Olympic rowing team from from University of Washington. And I use that image of of the the boys in the boat, the the rowers in the boat. They have to row in unison. They have to be together. They can't be rowing all over the place. They're not going to go anywhere. I like to use the image that that I believe in the boat, uh, the coxswain, the one who's calling out the, the the direction and the orders for the boat. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to us in the boat. The first guy in the boat is, is called the stroke. He's the one that sets the pace for the whole boat, listening most closely to the to the coxswain, the Holy Spirit. I think in this case, I kind of like to consider myself as the archbishop, sort of being the stroke at the front of the boat, setting the setting the pace for the rest of the boat. But then everybody has to row in unison with me. And they have to row, row in unison with each other to make the boat go forward. And finally, I like to use the image of the Fellowship of the Ring, you know, from Tolkien and, and the Lord of the Rings. You know, we've got this this menagerie of, of characters that make up the Fellowship of the Ring. You know, you've got men, you've got hobbits, you've got dwarves, you've got elves, you've got a wizard. Uh, we're all different, but we're united in a common mission. Uh, and we're on mission together, and we can overlook our differences and, and pull together for the sake of the mission. And I think that's really why I try to get to know these men so well. I want them to get to know each other well. I want them to work well together. I want them to form those bonds of brotherhood because we got a lot of work ahead of us. And I have to say, it's only getting harder, and it's going to get harder. And I tell them this. I said, guys, you got to be up for this because this is going to be tough. This is going to be hard work. But together, we can do this. Uh, under the direction of your archbishop, your spiritual father, be brothers and friends in Christ, and and let's let's go forward with yeah. what Jesus is asking us to do. Absolutely, and it is. I mean, we talk about the spiritual battle. It is a spiritual battle to come and to bring Christ into the world. Jesus promises, "Yes, you're going to have difficulties, but I am always with you. I am always with you until the end of the age." When you talk with these men on one-on-one, and you've had many years every year to be able to, to talk one-on-one, to walk with these men, what are some of those struggles, some of those things that, that they bring to you, or maybe they have a hard time bringing that maybe it's not so easy mm-hmm. as they thought it might be, and things that you, Father Peter Julia, the rest of the team, need to do to help w- walk with these men? Yeah, you know, I've, I've tried to be, um, in, especially in more recent years, much more I guess you could say vulnerable with my own struggles and with my own woundedness, if you will, in order to give these men, these seminarians, but also I would say even my priests, uh, you know, sort of permission to to share what's really on their heart and and really what their struggles are. I, you know, I think sometimes, you know, 
there's that temptation to want to put the best face forward to the archbishop. You know, I got to appear a certain way for the archbishops, uh, you know, so he thinks I'm all, I'm, I'm all right and ready to go. I, I would rather the men just share their heart with me and share their struggles and, and share where they, they might feel um, maybe not up to the task. I mean, men who are discerning a priestly vocation, whether they, if they, before they enter the seminary or certainly once they're in formation, you know, every, every man is unique, every man is different and, and, and has their own sort of path and journey in, in, uh, in the Lord. But there are some similarities and, and some common themes that guys struggle with. One is, one is a sense of, of um, worthiness, quite honestly, and adequacy to the task. You know, sometimes, uh, and I don't know if it's, it's something part of the culture today, but a, a lack of confidence maybe in their abilities, a lack of, of confidence in the Lord, you know, and, and it's, that, it's that sort of ungodly self-reliance that we slip into sometimes, that it's all up to me. No, it's up to the Lord. We have to surrender everything to him. But there is a sense of, of inadequacy, unworthiness, uh, maybe not being up to the task. Uh, am, I, am I good enough? You know, so that, that's, that's often a, a struggle. Quite honestly, uh, to be put it out there, you know, sometimes uh, for some men it's a struggle to, to give up the thought of having their own spouse and their own family. You know, so the the embracing of the gift of celibate chastity can can be a struggle for them to to fully give their full heart and mind to Christ to, to so that they can serve Him as as the Church says with an undivided heart. So you know, for some, you know, letting go of those dreams of of being a father and and a husband. Uh, in order to serve the Lord as a priest, is is it can be a a journey for them. You know, and I I always tell them. I said, my gosh, you know, the guy that would make the best father and the best husband, that's the guy we want to be a priest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so don't I tell them? I said, don't think because you're naturally attracted to being a father and a husband that somehow oh that means I'm not called to be a priest. No, that's exactly the guy we want to be a priest uh, because the best the guy that would make the best human father and husband is going to make the best spouse of the church and the best spiritual father to the, to the many, many children that will be placed across their life. So, But for some, that that's a struggle. I, I think for some, uh, there's some fear in facing you know the culture that we're engaged in right now and, and really realizing this is going to be work. This is not a life of leisure. This is not a glorified uh, sort of bachelorhood, a bachelor lifestyle. You know, just like any husband and father, you've got to lay down your life for your bride and and for your spiritual children. And, uh, you know, so I think some are a little bit, uh, you know, they find it, quite honestly, a little bit of a daunting task, you know, to, to, am I up for this? You know, and I I hope they are. For some, it's, it's a doubt about, am I really called to this? You know, trying to discern if this is really what God wants them to do. Uh, I think you know, I, to to a man, everybody, every one of these guys wants to do what the Lord wants them to do with their life. But sometimes they struggle with knowing: is this is this really it? Is this is what God is calling me to do? Some men struggle with you know getting a solid spiritual life in place. You know, and you've got to have a solid foundation of prayer and relationship with the Lord Jesus if you're going to be His minister. If you're going to minister in His person, you need to know Him intimately. And then there, you know, there can be other um, other struggles like academics. Some some guys, you know, struggle a little bit with the studies. You know, it, it can be it can be tough. And then there are human formation issues. You know, sometimes there are personality elements that we have or quirks. I would even say that we have that need to be smoothed out. A man, a priest, is is a man who is called to be a bridge between Christ and His people. So we we have to be a human bridge. We have to have the human qualities 
um, of, of approachability, of, of sociability, of, of friendliness. Uh, people need to know that we love and care about them to be that bridge. We can't be an obstacle. And sometimes, quite honestly, there are certain aspects of personality that are sort of ingrained and, and can't really be, be done away with that, that do, you know, present an obstacle. And, and, and therefore, this man maybe isn't called you know, to, to be a priest. So, you know, it, it's, it's walking them through, you know, all of those kinds of uh, questions uh, and doubts even that they, that, that they might have along the way and to offer them a word of encouragement, pray for them, sometimes correct them. But it's, 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 a, it's a glorious thing uh, to walk alongside these men as they're preparing to, to be ordained priests. Right. On The Voice of the Shepherd today, talking about that annual visit Archbishop has to our four seminaries, Mount Angel, of course, St. Patrick's in the Menlo Park area, the North American College in Rome, and Bishop White Seminary, for those of you Zag fans at Gonzaga <laughs> University. But when you leave, you spend that time, and you just recently were in Rome, you'll be over uh, down south pretty soon. But when you're driving home, maybe getting to the next thing, how do those encounters change you as a priest, as a bishop, having that time one-on-one with these men, and then to reflect on your own relationship with Christ? Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, that's a great question, because it does, it does actually affect me fairly profoundly, um, especially as I get older. <laughs> you know, I'm, get, I'm no spring chicken anymore. Um, it strengthens my sense of spiritual fatherhood, to be honest. I, I see these men truly as my spiritual sons, and I try to treat them that way, and I try to love them in that way. Um, and when I get to spend this kind of time with them, and you know, uh, a lot of it is you know the serious one-on-one time, but sometimes there's social time with them, just having fun with them, getting to know them. The, as, as I walk away, or drive away, or fly away mm-hmm. <laughs> from those encounters. I find a tremendous sense of satisfaction in my own spiritual fatherhood and that I just am so grateful to God that, that he has placed me in this position of being able to be a spiritual father to these men, to guide them, to, to, to show them the way to, you know, hopefully they benefit from, you know, my 33 years plus of, of priestly ministry and 18 as a bishop that, you know, Maybe I have something to contribute to the to their journey uh, and to help them and encourage them and mentor them. Yeah, so I, I would say that it it it, just, and it gives me great hope. It fills me with hope, and, and you know the, the the things are pretty crazy today. You know, and and there's a lot of darkness in the world today, and I, there's even some confusion and and problems and division in the church. But these men give me great hope. So I come away always inspired by them, inspired by their faith inspired by their commitment, inspired by their generosity mm-hmm. to give up their lives for this. You know, and these men, some of these men have had careers. They've, they were settled. Yeah. They, were, they were all settled. They had their life kind of already figured out. You know, they were, they were settled. They had a good job. They had a home, some of them. And they're willing to give all that up. You know, I don't think people realize that. You know, yeah, it's one thing, I guess you could say, for a guy to come right out of high school and go into college seminary and then go through and, and be ordained. And that's great. I'm glad that happens, and I, we need more of those. And that's kind of a trend also that more and more younger men are going. But, you know, we, we have to remember some of these men, after completing whatever education they were going to have, had jobs. They were settled. They had, they had literally had homes and cars and, and, and friends, and, and they had a life, you know. But they felt called by the Lord to give all that up 
and to come follow him. That's inspiring. Uh, and I think we should be grateful to, to these men. And uh, it always inspires me. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and I get great insights from these guys. You know, I, I have to say that, you know, it's not just, I'm not just on the giving end, uh, you know, uh, with these guys when I meet with them and visit with them. But they, they teach me some things and they show me some things. I'm always inspired uh, by their deep reflections that come from their prayer. The, and they share that when they share their heart with me, when they share what's really going on in their heart and their soul with me as their spiritual father, man, that feels good. And uh, it helps me too to know that these good men are, are going to stand shoulder to shoulder with me uh, as, we, as we engage you know, the world that we live in with, with the good news of the gospel. Yeah. You know, as you talk with parents, godparents, grandparents, uh, we've got rights of election going on right now, so a lot of people are coming together who are f- moving forward in terms of receiving the sacraments. What's your message to these parents and stewards of our young people of how to look at vocations? Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, you talk about <clears throat> the rights of election. We just were taping this. We're just off the right of election weekend, and I was I did four rights of election, uh, three down south and then one in Portland. I can tell you, I can just, just hear right in my mind, I can think of five guys that I ran into on this right of election tour, so to speak, that, that I think might have a vocation to the priesthood. And I encouraged them. I took names uh, to pass on to the vocation director, and some of them took my contact information. And you can see that the Holy Spirit is working. But folks, you have got to encourage our young people to consider priestly and religious vocations. It's our responsibility for the future care of souls to have enough priests and religious, for the, for the young ladies, religious women as well, to take care of our people. And I get so sad when I learn of families and parents that do not encourage their children to be open to a priestly or religious vocation. Quite honestly, it can be very selfish because I want this or I want that for my child or I want grandchildren or you know whatever it might be. We've got to ask the Lord what is best, what God has planned for our child, not what we have planned for our child, or not even what our child might think they have planned for themselves. We keep asking young people, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? That's the wrong question. What does God want you to be? What has God made you from all eternity to be with your life? What is your vocation? What is God calling you to? And folks, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, godparents, sponsors, friends, teachers, catechists, <laughs> mm-hmm. encourage our young people to be open to a priestly or religious vocation. We have a lot of work to do in Western Oregon, and we got a lot of people to take care of, and I especially from our ethnic communities, our cultural communities. I need more, uh, many more uh, men to step forward from our Hispanic community or the Filipino community, the Vietnamese community, uh, all of these ethnic communities that need our, our love and care. So please, please pray for vocations and encourage the young people to always be open. And when you see someone you think would make a great priest or make a great religious, tell them. Yeah, Very good advice. And with that, Archbishop, would you help us close yes. with your blessing? May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon all of you, your families, your loved ones, especially your children, and be with you this day and forever. Amen.
Amen. And as always, we want to thank you for joining us on this episode of The Voice of the Shepherd. For Archbishop Alexander Sample, I'm Dina Marie. Until our next encounter, may God bless you. You've been listening to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample, a production of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. To subscribe to this podcast and access to all of our past shows, visit moderndayradio.com. Please email your comments and questions for the show to info at archdpdx.org. Learn more about the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon online at archdpdx.org. Peace be with you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.